0: at LuckyLandslots.com Available to players in the U.S. Excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply.
1: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry? <sighs> Ooh, a book club. <sighs> Computer solitaire. Huh?
1: Ah, <sighs> oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.
2: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by
3: law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time for another edition of the Curtain Call podcast. My name is Michael Beck, deputy editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Hanging out with, as always, one Mister Jeffrey Benedict, film guru
4: extraordinaire. Jeffrey, how are you doing tonight, sir? Uh, I'm I'm still feeling yesterday, man. I'm I'm not doing the best. Oh, Fat uh, Fat Tuesday in my house is a big deal. <laughs> we go, we go we go all out you we, had, we to- got we got a whole bunch of donuts from stocklines if you're uh on on this side of the river north of pittsburgh stocklines bakery that that's the place we got that i had an apple fritter they fry they deep fry croissants there and and glaze them this is the best thing in the world yeah. so i'm i'm not doing the best today i've got kind of a sugar hangover
3: you know, I, I think I, I accidentally participated in that by getting up early and making myself pancakes yesterday. So uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm feeling the pain a little bit, too. But, <laughs> oh, uh, my God. but uh, on a Steelers front, there's been a ton of news. It always seems like after our show, there's, there's a, a news dump. And then about, about a day before our show, there's another one, but not on the day of. Today, there really was a news dump on the day. Of the show, Kevin Colbert speaking to the media, then doing uh, another interview with Missy Matthews over on the Steelers' website. Clearly, so like a ton
4: of information going on there. Jeffrey, did did, did you uh, happen to check that out? I caught bits of it. I caught some of the discussion around it. Uh I, I didn't see the whole thing.
3: Now we'll get to the Ben Roethlisberger stuff as uh, kind of at the end of this uh, Colbert news because that kind of leads us into our topic, but. Of course, some of the major talking points that uh, Kevin Colbert was kind of prodded at was the 2021 salary cap. Namely, there is a really good chance that it could drop. What are your kind of thoughts on uh, what could happen on this team if the salary
4: cap did in fact drop? Well, even the team would be in trouble, but the team would make it. They'd have a plan. Uh, they'd lose some people, but not. I don't think they'd lose a ton uh they'd find ways to make it work a lot of players would make it work a lot of players would sit there and be like getting you know I'd rather I'll take a I'll take a cut I'll restructure stuff like that if I can avoid getting cut and having nowhere to go this year uh but more than that like the NFL man the NFL like the NFL the owners everything would be screwed up it'd be a it'd be a horrible situation the entire landscape of the NFL would change like boom one year
3: Yeah, and there's even talks today on uh, Twitter. There's one player, more of a role-player type name. The name is escaping me. Excuse me for that, if that guy's uh, having to tune in right now. But he was talking about the potential for super teams in 2021 because the money might not not necessarily be there. Do you think that'd be bad for the league? And do, do you think that is just a crazy advantage for a team like New
4: England or Indianapolis who have a ton of cap space? I think it would be. The problem is, like... Again, you need a cap space. You also need a quarterback. You know, I, I think I think you'd see a lot of players just sit out who would just say, you know what, I'm if I if I can't get paid, I'm I'm not doing a, a prove it deal. You know, you know, players who are veterans who've already done it, they're not gonna take a one year deal that with for like minimum money just to play with a bunch of great players. A lot of them just aren't going to do that especially when the teams you're talking about are top-tier teams, like Kansas City's going to have to cut people. Green Bay would have to cut people. Are they going to, you know, reassemble with the Browns or, like, something like that to try and win it? Like, I, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, and
3: really, when you look at it, the teams that would be torn apart are the historically good teams, the the teams with the huge fan bases. And, oh, boy, I, I just couldn't see the NFL really sticking a knife into them. That kind of leads into 2022 which is kind of what Dan Fell's waiting on right now to set that cap number is the, the new mega TV deal, the potential 17th game, which should be a thing this upcoming season, and then the, the new revenue added from that extra playoff game. What are you thinking if the league were to say drop to $180 million this year, only to next year jump to 210? Is that possible? Is that like a double reset to the league? And what would that mean to the league as a whole?
4: I mean, if they can have fans this year, next year it could drop to 2020 to, you know, 20, 220 million, 220 million. You could see a huge increase. So, any drop like that and a great big increase, you're talking a lot of players, you know, just ballooning salaries everywhere. It, It would be a mess. The best way for owners to be able to set up for that kind of a situation is to have a year where they can actually sign people long-term, where they can make deals, where they can take a smaller cap hit now to put cap off in the future. Deals like you saw Kansas City do. Kansas City set themselves up for serious salary cap uh, money commitments in the future a couple years down the line because they know that's coming. And they're like, we can keep this team together for three years if we do this. If they have to break it up next year just to then be like, oh, we didn't ever really need to do that. <laughs> that's funny. You know, that doesn't that doesn't work for me. Plus, in my opinion, the owners. Like, if you're an owner, you want the NFL telling you you have to break up your team? Like, you can't hey, – hey, owners, you're not allowed to lose money this year. You are not allowed. You're not allowed to borrow from your own pocketbook and say, I'll take a loss this year and recoup it next year. You're not allowed to do that. If I'm an owner, I don't want that. If I'm an owner of a good team – now, if I'm the owner of the Cincinnati Bengals – and I'm cheap as heck and I have a chance to possibly sign some players when no one else can I'd be like yeah sure screw all those teams that are actually willing to spend money and invest in their teams you know I want to I want to get some stars and draw drum, drum up some you know press for my team I think really you hit it on the head when you talk about the 17th game the NFL I, I was, I'll put this out here cuz people get crazy with conspiracy theories these days the NFL did not create the COVID-19 virus right but because of the impact of that on the NFL's financials, they've already gotten the seventh playoff game for nothing. No concessions to the to the NFL Players Association that, that you would normally have to make in any other year. And this year, they can be like, they can sit here and play this cap up. Oh, the cap's going to drop. And then come in and say, look, okay, you know what, we'll do you a favor. You give us the 17th game, and we'll let the salary cap just kind of, you know, stay the same as it is right now. That's that's what this is to me. This is a leverage moment. They understand, the NFL understands the leverage they have here, and the players are pretty well going to go along with it because they probably won't realize that the NFL is, is not going to let the cap drop. Uh, so that's my opinion. I think once you see the 17th game official, once they get it all formalized and all passed, the cap will be like, oh, yeah, and also the cap's not going down. I think you'll. That's exactly what you'll see this year.
3: Yeah, it very well could end up being that way. Just to get on a, a random side tangent here, the seventeen game thing has always just seemed weird to me. It, it's like an ugly number. The winning per- percentages at the end of the year are going to be strange looking. I know it's a, like a, a dumb thing to nitpick, but do you think the NFL's end game here is to eventually get to an eighteen game regular season with two preseason
4: games? Probably. They're not. I mean, they're not going to stop once you start, once that TV revenue goes up, they're going to be like, they're going to start thinking about the next contract and they'll wait. Cause you're not going to do an extra game and not get paid for it. You know? And if they did that, the TV deals aren't going to be like, well, we'll automatically up it. You know, that'll either be written into the contract where if you get an 18th game, you get so much more money, you know, or something like that, or they're just going to wait until the next TV deal is up and then try and push it even farther. This is just, I mean, really it's, the television deal is up at the exact right time. COVID hit. NFL is going to get this stuff in, and we're going to have 17 games in a seventh playoff game, and the NFL is going to make money. Yeah, the, the players should riot if the salary cap drops and they have to play an extra game. They yeah. lose
3: money and then have to work more. Like, seriously, I I, I can't see that those
4: two things working no, out. No, you, that... you would see a lot of players just opt out and be like, I'm not playing for a minimum. Like, I'm not playing a veteran minimum. Like, can you imagine Bud Dupree playing a veteran minimum deal next year? He's not going to do that. He'd sit out a year and then come back and be like, what? I'm in better shape than, you know, most of these guys because I've healed up and I'm, you know, been working out all season.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So but before we get into the, the other stuff, what is your prediction on the cap number? Uh, before before they really get into those, uh, those leak type information, I, I want to get it uh, on air here. What do you think the 2021 caps can be set at?
4: Right. What was it this past season? I believe it's 194 or 198. 194 198 in that range. I'm going to go 200 million. I think there's right around there, either the exact same or a slight raise. I I just have a feeling it's going to just be a
3: flat cap. Like, if it, like I said before, I just can't see it dropping and adding a game. Like that's cause for a riot and a walkout and a strike from players. Like Mm -hmm. it doesn't make any sense to me, but. Moving into really the the topic of our show here, and clearly the name in the news today, which uh, really helps lead us into that, is Ben Roethlisberger. Is he, is he going to be back this year? Because it really seemed like the way some of the national media were speaking, it seems like Ben's done.
4: What are your thoughts on that? Well, we haven't heard much from Ben. I think Ben is honestly, my opinion on this is Ben's going to take some time. He's going to take some time. He's going to go home. He's going to chill with his family. He's going to talk to his wife. He's going to spend like probably a, another couple weeks until he really has to give them a decision to make the decision. He might not even know. I mean, Pouncey gave his decision. That clearly is going to weigh on Ben. Do I want to play without Pouncey? Um, and the I still think he's going to play. I still think he does just because I can't imagine Ben Roethlisberger going out with that playoff game lost to Cleveland being his last game that's just i mean you can't you can't give Cleveland that after all the heartache all the beatdowns you delivered that team and that franchise you know after they passed on him in 2004 i can't see him retiring with a playoff loss to Cleveland i just can't do it so, would you have said
3: if uh, the say the Steelers got a little hot, made it to the AFC title game, and lost to the Chiefs? Do you think that might be a, a more respectable way? And would you see Ben Roethlisberger ending on a note like that?
4: Oh, you'd probably see Pouncey back. Really? <laughs> if we if we are on that, you'd probably have Pouncey back, and Ben would probably return again. Uh, like Pouncey just I think he saw that game and realized, you know what? I'm not I'm not doing all this when I when I'm when I don't think I really have it.
3: So before we really get into the other names and the holes of this team, are you kind of anticipating a step back, especially with one of the hardest schedules in football uh, coming up next year?
4: Right, uh, regular season record probably uh, twelve and four is. That's hard to repeat any any year. That's just hard to re- replicate. Uh, so I don't I don't see that coming again.
3: Now, one of the other names Kevin Colbert uh, was asked about a couple times, actually, was one Mason Rudolph, who he kind of gave a a pretty big uh, vote of confidence, I guess you'd say, towards him after playing a a pretty solid game against Cleveland and really his last uh, last game time before that against the New York Jets. Those two games were really the best two games of his career and kind of I don't know, I guess setting him on a a positive trajectory, regardless of some fans who've already made up their minds on him. But uh, if if Ben, just say lightning does strike, and he says, you know what, Uh, I I don't really care. I made my money. The stats, I I, I don't want to be a part of a a downswing team. Do
4: you think Mason Rudolph is the the leading man to be the starting quarterback of the Steelers next year? Absolutely. I, I don't really think the Steelers would go in a different direction. I think he'd get a year. To try it out, uh, and I'll go farther. If you erase that Cleveland game, where he was just that was a nightmare game. But we've seen that from we've we've seen nightmare games from Ben. We've seen it from other players. Mason was just didn't have the clout to to get to play it out, you know. And then Cincinnati, he wasn't good. He, you could see it. It affected him. He needed to sit. He needed to learn some things. He needed to calm himself down. Uh, but that before that Cleveland game and that Cincinnati game. He was building and improving, and then you saw it in New York Jets game. He came back. He seemed to have his confidence back. He seemed to be playing, you know, Mason Rudolph football. And this year, he was better than that. He was better than he was in 2019. He was making reads quicker. I really think he he deserves a shot. Also, because I again, I'm always in the camp of have your offensive line in place before you draft a quarterback. So I'm all about. Uh, let Mason Rudolph play quarterback while we, while we fix the line.
3: Now here's a scenario for you. What if uh, Mason Rudolph, like he's kind of more built for that Matt Canada offense, as opposed to Ben Roethlisberger, who we saw not wanting to play play action or uh, really takes any snaps under center this past year. If Mason Rudolph comes out, has a great camp, looks really good in this Matt Canada system. Is there potential he could even replace Ben at some point next year?
4: No. I mean, like if Ben played bad enough or they, – it they would take an injury. Ben would have to play bad and either be like, you know what, I'm done. I'm benching myself or I'm just walking away in the middle of a season or it would take him getting hurt. They would not bench a healthy Ben Roethlisberger no matter how bad he played. It would take – I shouldn't say that. It would take like epic badness. It would take really, really bad play for them to, to bench him in season. All right, one more
3: quarterback-related question before we get to the other holes of this team, because clearly the quarterback one is going to be a massive one moving forward. But with all that in mind and an eye to the future, say Ben does hang him up, would you rather draft or sign someone this year or next year in 2022? For quarterback? Yes.
4: Yeah, I would... I can push it farther. You know what? I'm, I'm for... I, I am for making sure, again, you have the team. And I think this defense has a window uh, that is longer than a couple of years. You, you, and I think the offensive line is a few pieces away. You know we, We've got a couple pieces. We need a few more pieces. And we'll be, in, we'll be in pretty good shape. So I could see it in 2022. If they get the offensive line together, they change the scheme up, and all of a sudden the Steelers can run the ball, kind of like that change they did from 2003-2004, where all of a sudden the Steelers could just run the ball because uh, the scheme changed and the focus changed, then I could see them going and getting a young quarterback and saying, no, this is the perfect time. Let Matt Canada get a quarterback you know, that, that really fits his system and go with it. That would be interesting. Now, there is kind of a trend now in the NFL
3: before we really move on to the other stuff because the thought popped in my mind. How many lean years do you think uh, guys like TJ Watt or Minka Fitzpatrick or Devin Bush could really take before they start asking for trades because that's kind of seems to be the thing among young superstars in the league th- these days.
4: Well, a lot of those, a lot of those players doing that aren't teams that are tanking, looking to rebuild, getting rid of their good players. Uh, Steelers don't do that, and that's one of the reasons why is you don't want to create that negative culture. Uh, and I, I, think that's what you see with the Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt. They wanted out of Houston not because just because Houston was rebuilding, but the culture of a rebuild is terrible. If you're on a team that's just like, "Hey guys, we're going to stink, and uh, next year we're going to stink worse," but hopefully we'll get completely different players that aren't you guys, and they'll be better. Like that's that's negative culture building, and we saw that with the Browns. The Browns constantly drafting new guys and everything. It it never worked out. It took a real good draft. It took some free agents coming in. It took you know new coaches. It took a lot of new people, a lot of change to get that culture kind of right, going back in the right direction. Steelers have that culture. They they preserve that culture above, you know, going for a flashy rebuild. In my opinion,
3: all right. The other news from this past week, really the the big uh, the big thing of the week was Marquise Pouncey, obviously announcing his retirement. Obviously, center has become a massive need for this team because I, I think we can both agree, J. J. C. Hassenauer really isn't the guy that's going to uh, be the feature of that position. <laughs> as you start laughing, it's gonna start cracking me up but uh where would you rank center now in in the hierarchy of needs for this team?
4: okay, I have that as where did I put that i have that as number one center is number one because we need a number one center we actually need a starter there's no there's no Hassenhauer. that is not an option uh that is the number one need this team has is we have to have a starting center.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Now, especially at that position, experience matters. And I think that's going to be something that kind of sways even Ben Roethlisberger. There's a couple names that could be on, the, on that list of uh, guys being uh, salary cap uh, casualties. Guys like Jason Kelsey, I've seen his name get floated around. Uh, B.J. Finney, who had a, to be fair, he had a terrible 2020 season, but he is familiar with the system. Do you think the Steelers try to bring someone in that's a free agent or perhaps draft someone higher, maybe even a little bit of both. But, of course, Marquis Pouncey was day one uh, starter as a rookie.
4: Uh, I don't think you see a draft pick come in here. The Steelers very, very rarely go into the draft with a hole that needs filled with a starter. And you're sitting there saying, we got to draft a starter in the draft at this position. They just don't do that. So I expect center will be filled with a starter. Uh, and also, if you look at the draft, there's not a lot of great options for for high picks. You don't really want a first round center this year. So I don't think that's going to be the ad course of action. There are some centers in free agency, and I really think the Steelers will make a play for someone and they may pay a decent amount to that center. You could see a 10 million dollar deal, a year deal going uh, for a center for this team just because that's going to be a big, big deal. You, you're losing a big veteran there, a, a leader. Uh, and you're you're asking Ben to, to break in a new center, you probably have a much better chance if you go just get a good center and bring him in and build the rest of the team around that. Yeah,
3: to, to me, it seems like one of those classic positions where the Steelers I, – I, honestly, I think they, they bring in a free agent, but because of the whole salary cap situation – I could see it being a B.J. Finney-type player, perhaps someone a a little bit more experienced, but then also draft someone. Like, one of the top three centers should still be there when the Steelers make their second pick in the second round. Hopefully they, honestly, with, with their holes right now, I think they should also highly consider trading back in the first round even. But it just seems like one of those situations, those classic situations that the Steelers have done a number of years. And I'm curious if you agree that you might foresee them Signing someone, but then also drafting someone fairly high with the uh, with
4: that same spot. BJ Finney to me makes so much sense if he gets cut because he was good here, and he is familiar with with Ben. He's Ben Ben's center before, and he was good enough at it that teams threw money at him. Like the Steelers wanted to keep him, and teams were like, mm, "We're going to grab this guy from you." And the Steelers were like, "Well, you're basically like, well, you're overpaying him." But I, so I guess he's gone. Uh, but Finney. Finney could come back on a cheap deal. That would be a really good acquisition. Uh, but then, again, you are still looking for someone at center. For for me, I I think you could see two free agent centers come in. I think you could see a Finney come in on a cheap deal, and you could see another center come in on a bigger deal, and the Steelers part ways with Hasenhauer. Uh, or, I mean, Hasenhauer, he's cheap. Steelers love cheap backups. Absolutely love them. But he also pretty much got Ben killed a lot. Yeah, he stinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, here, I'll load
3: this one up from Facebook. Uh, Michael Lanner, uh, Lanner, Lannery? Lannery? Am I, getting, I hope I'm saying that right, but he, he's asking if we're going to draft a running back or chase one in free
4: agency. See, here's, here's the thing with running back running back is a need, but we need a big time runner. We need a guy with, with top of the line vision who can be a really, really good runner. If, if you just sign a guy to be a guy, we have those. Anthony McFarlane's a guy. Benny Snell is a guy. You know, Jalen Samuels, even as a third down back, is pretty good. The system we ran was terrible for the run game, and the injuries we had were bad. The passing game just let teams load the box the last two years. It's been bad. In 2018, when teams had to respect longer passes, James Conner was a Pro Bowler. You know, like these guys aren't terrible running backs; they're just not good enough to 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 run it successfully on a team that isn't running well. They're not going to fix that problem. So you either need to go big, or just stick with what you have. Like really, stick with what you have, or get someone really good. So I could see a free agent with a veteran who has what I'm looking for is vision. I'm looking for someone who really sees cracks and squeezes through them. I'd love I'd love a Nick Chubb-level vision running back. Absolutely would love that. That dude just squeezes through holes. He finds them and gets through them. Uh, I would love that because those holes are there for that kind of a runner. They were there last year for that kind of a runner. We just don't have that kind of a runner.
3: It, it kind of feels d- destined for the Steelers to land one of the top three running backs in this year's draft class. It, it just kind of feels like the way that's going, especially with – how they kind of uh, feel out those players so far in this early draft process, which is obviously a lot different than most years. But uh,
4: I will say that I expect if you see the Steelers sign one of those big-name centers, one of the top-tier centers, if they're signing a center to an 8000000 plus million-plus-a-year contract, you pencil in a running back as their draft pick. Uh, because at that point, your offensive line is fixed now, you've got to invest in that run game now you really need to invest in that run game so I would say if they if they spend money on a center look for that running back first round pick to really be a, be the thing.
3: Now I've heard a, a rumor from not a very reputable source but they might be uh, poking around at uh, Lindsley I believe his name is the the center from Green Bay uh, of course that's gonna be a big ticket so we'll see how that goes but where do you have a running back uh, ranked as uh, your list of needs?
4: Pretty high because we do need a starter. We like you don't want Benny Snell starting. Like if if we go into the season with Benny Snell, Anthony McFarlane, and Jalen Samuels, that's that's honestly probably worse than when we went into the season with Jonathan Dwyer and Isaac Redman as the starters on this team. Red zone. Was that 2012? 2011.
3: Right before they, and then they were.
4: After that, they were like, "Mm, "Go ahead and draft Le'Veon Bell. (laughs) We're going to do that. We're going to. We're not making that same mistake again." So they do need a starter. However, they get one, they need a starter. Uh, So draft is. I mean, obviously, running backs' first two three years in the league are their most valuable. In in most cases, uh, that's that's their best years, just because of how injuries work and fatigue works and the number of carries they've had in college. So that's. That's an obvious draft pick. Uh, they just they can't wait till the third round, fourth round, and get another guy. They need a legit runner.
3: Yeah, it it feels like a first or second rounder. I'm definitely someone who's been opposed to going running back in the first round, but you know what? I, I would never sign one to a second contract. That's just the the name of the game. Getting a fifth-year option, that seems really big for a running back because that's pretty much it. Yeah, like if they're good, you you get their last good year with that fifth year option and you don't have to sign them for a couple
4: extra years where they're going to suck and take up a ton of money. So, yeah, like what we did with Le'Veon Bell, like we got him. He was the best. He was right up there with the best running backs in the NFL. And by the time we were done with him, he wasn't. He never really, you know, we paid him a rookie deal and then we're like, all right, see ya. (laughs) Like you get one year on the franchise tag and then you can go be terrible. Yeah, well, you know what? They still
3: offered him a bigger deal than anyone else that uh, year after the franchise tag. Yeah, they
4: you you know they didn't have guaranteed money though. That they could have gotten out of that after one year. That was a one year deal with we'll see how it goes after that point. (laughs) Yeah,
3: I would have loved to see the those numbers. Maybe one day I'll sneak into the offices and uh download a download something on the old USB and snoop through the old contracts they offered, but I'm sure they've already burned those tapes, but moving on, moving back to the offensive line though, <laughs> the, the tackle spots, which is, Oh, <laughs> uh, we have a good one. On I like,
4: I enjoyed that, man.
3: We, we have fun on the show.
4: <laughs> oh goodness. Burn the tapes. Exactly.
3: Uh tackle is obviously tackle. another big need for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, another one of those news, fairly substantial news, but kind of got swept under the rug. Zach Banner. I the way he's been talking on social media, uh definitely suggests he's gonna come back for another season, at least. But uh the way Mark Gaboli on the Athletic reported it. He's going to be a starter uh, at one of the tackle spots. It seems like uh, a core four will start at the other side. Is that still one of the top needs for the Steelers? And do you expect a
4: potentially a first round pick to uh, be coming at that position? I could see that. That would be a really, really good move. I would love, I would love a tackle. I'd love a free agent center and a high draft pick tackle because you would have, you would have a chance for them to be like, okay play play where you play you know you're going to get chances you're going to get snaps but we also have these other two guys you know if you don't get one high you still need a rotational guy who can start because you don't know if Zach Banner is really back week 1 you don't know where he is in that like his if you look at the timelines they're talking about with him that he even talked about himself it's it's pulling it close like he's going to they're working him and ramping him up so he'll be able to participate in camp but how how much you know is he going to be 100% at the start of the season or is he going to pull a David DeCastro where he's like okay I'm I'm in for sure you know week 3 something like that you know uh so you still need a tackle and even if both, even if you have Banner and a Core for it and you look at that and you say these are our starters locked in we're good Banner from week 1 is good you still need a swing tackle Like, you still need a backup. If there's anything we've learned, it's depth on the offensive line is incredibly important. Oh, yeah. Now, with that as well, though, would you be surprised if they didn't take a tackle with one of their first three picks? First three picks, I won't be surprised anything they do with those picks. I really won't. Because the Steelers, the way they do the draft is just, especially their number one pick, I'm always like, the number one pick is just draft whoever your opponents don't want to face that's really what you want to do that's that's what you want to look at is who do other people not want to face that's the guy we want and then we'll figure out how to use them you know like if that first i said before if that first round pick is an inside linebacker i'm like sweet that's fine we don't need him but you know what boom it's an upgrade trying you know other teams are gonna have to deal with that there's someone who's just a game record there that'd be fabulous anyone you get in the first round pick that isn't, I mean, like this year, still probably cornerback and safety. You don't really, don't really go first round pick there, but any position where you can say, Oh yeah, you could upgrade that. Then that's a valid first round pick.
3: Well, the second you say that, the name that immediately screams in my mind is saving Collins because uh, if with, with, with two AFC North teams picking behind the Steelers, that both need a linebacker Collins will just terrorize the Steelers for the next decade in either Cleveland or Baltimore. So Looking at it that way, it, it that might end up being the pick. And you know what? That'd be a lot of fun because you Vince Williams could be a guy that ends up getting cut. Like I hate to say it, but it's there's definitely potential for that.
4: Well, if you saw so, if you saw the Steelers draft as Avan Collins, Vince Williams saves us four million cutting him. You have Spillane for cheap. I mean, yeah, go for it. Cut Spillane, you got a rookie in there. Or cut Williams, sorry. But and the Steelers like Williams. I like Williams. He's a smart dude. He's a good leader. He's a great guy to have in the room, especially you do have a young run, a leather young linebacker in there that's going to play that position. Vince Williams is the dude to be like, look, kid, let me show you how to play linebacker like a Steeler. You know, let me let me show you how to be a, the next Kendrell Bell. Because that's if you made a more athletic Vince Williams, like if you made a Vince Williams an elite athlete, you'd have Kendrell Bell. You look at his sacks, his tackles for loss, he's a terror in the backfield. He's just not fast and he's not quick you know, uh, if you, so I, I love Vince and, uh, I, I could see an inside linebacker. That would work. All right. So that is the halfway point of our show tonight.
3: Um, uh, if you're listening on, uh, on the podcast platforms, literally anywhere you can get your podcast from, uh, flip over to part two, we're going to round out the, uh, skill positions and move over to the defensive side of the ball. Also, maybe even bring up JJ Watts name, because that's, that's always a lot of fun these days. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, just hang tight. Uh, we will flip to part two. Just sit where you are, and we will be back in just a second.
1: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
0: A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire,
2: huh?
1: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Chumba Casino.
2: Plus.